0: Welcome to Living Water Radio. What are the most important means you and your church use to carry out ministry today? Will any of them emerge unchanged in the new normal of the post-pandemic church? My name is Pastor David Burkodahl. My wife, Rev. Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is a United Church of Christ slash Christian Church Disciples of Christ ordained minister focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry, I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California and in San Dimas, California for over 40 years. Today, maintaining our yard is my gym, and I'm active as a volunteer in the leadership of the 110 Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregations in our area. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, Number Zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. We are now at a point in the pandemic where you hear the phrase coronavirus fatigue a lot. That is, we're tired of the masks and the social distancing, the fear of others, and the weird work and school adjustments, and we're getting careless. This is coming just as we are getting into the flu season and the colder and wetter weather that will place a damper on outdoor activities, and the number of cases is going up almost exponentially. Folks, this is where character counts. I know you are tired. We're all tired. Now is the time to do the right things, like wearing masks, social distancing, avoiding crowds, and washing or sanitizing our hands, even if we're tired of them. Be sick of Zoom meetings and Zoom worship, of Amazon and not doing your own shopping. Be sick of the coronavirus, but do the right things so that you don't get sick from the coronavirus. The pandemic seems to be getting worse, but it doesn't have to, and eventually it will be gone. Then will come the post-pandemic new normal. The good news of Jesus Christ and his death on the cross for our redemption remains the same from generation to generation. The means we use to proclaim Christ are always changing. They will be less important than the message. What implications does this have for the future of the church? What is the new normal likely to look like when this pandemic is over? And how can we adapt for faithful ministry as the body of Christ, the church, in this world, particularly in the L.A. area? This is the second of three podcasts on the new normal church. I want to share a few thoughts that have been rattling around inside me as a lifelong Lutheran Christian and as a pastor for more than 40 years. I serve on a number of synod leadership boards and committees, and I think about where we are going a lot. Last time, I shared some ideas on near-term or short-term, but but I like near-term as a phrase for getting near to birth, changes that will happen either because external circumstances require them or because we are already headed in that direction. Next time, for part three, I'm going to reflect on what I think are the implications of the needed changes for future church development. But today, I'm going to reflect on how the means that we use to conduct our ministry, like buildings, seminaries, curriculum, and so on, will change in order to thrive in the post-pandemic new normal for the Church. Of course, no one knows what will happen after the pandemic but God. We may see an influx of people hungry for community, both new and former members of the Church. We may see formerly faithful members not coming back, and the trends we saw before the pandemic continue. All we can do now, however, is to get ready by preparing to be the church God has called and equipped us to be. Part 2. The Changing Means for Doing Ministry And by means, I mean buildings, worship services, pastoral ministry, curriculum, seminaries, and so on. What are the trends in the use of the means we use to do ministry that will have already begun to change but will take five or ten years and beyond to fully form? The increasing secularization of Southern California is producing an increasing need for the living relationship with the one true living God for which humanity was created. In this cultural atmosphere, we find an increasing relevancy of the experience of the Holy Spirit among the first Christians described in Scripture to our own circumstances. We in the 21st century are a church that more and more resembles the 1st century church than the 20th century church. The Holy Spirit will nourish and shape the church like streams of living water. We see this in recent history in the observation that The Catholic Church opted for the poor. The poor opted for Pentecostalism. Here are the adaptations of the means we currently use that we will need to make in the L.A. area and beyond. First, I think that we should expect that there will be very few of our congregations maintaining their own buildings as we now know them. Buildings have become albatrosses around the necks of our shrinking and aging congregations that can no longer financially support them. This was happening before the coronavirus pandemic, and it will likely, though not certainly, continue after it's over. Churches will be smaller and more nimble, More emotionally expressive of the faith and focused on the immediate needs of their communities. I don't think that Zoom or its successors will take the place of buildings, but they will provide one continuing mechanism for outreach. People who come to faith in Christ will continue to desire the high touch, the love that we offer in living Christian communities, and face to face ministry will likely take place in small groups bound together by the love of God and of one another. Second, ministry will be carried out by everyone, not a professional clergy class, but by a called group, pastors, or trainers. It will be missional, not invitational, and it will belong to everyone. Our evangelism won't be based on things like, come and hear our pastor preach, or our choir sing, or see our beautiful church, or our wonderful youth program. We will no longer say things like, the church isn't a museum for saints, but a hospital for sinners. That's discipleship. Our evangelism will be more like the paramedics. We will go to where the hurting and broken people are. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, go build a church. That has been the way Christians in many times and in many places have seen the goal of community building. Jesus gives instruction for the church at the end of the Gospel of Matthew in the words we call the Great Commission, the 28th chapter beginning at the 18th verse. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and remember, I am with you always, to the end of the age. We've heard a lot about this approach in the past. It will soon become a necessity. In this regard, I recommend a little book called How to Knock Over a 7-Eleven and Other Ministry Training as a scalable model for ministry in the 21st century. A one-sentence summary might be, a new ministry start begins by establishing needed local businesses as a service to the local community before beginning the traditional worship and education ministries of the church. It's the opposite of how we organize local ministry now. Third, I think that very few ordained pastors will be able to be supported solely by the giving of the congregations they serve. Bivocational ministry will be the norm, and we need to encourage our seminaries to enable students to become workers and workers to become students. Our pastors will be less concerned with maintaining their professional status in the community and more resemble servant leaders more attuned to the community's sense of the call of the Holy Spirit and less accountable to a few big givers, leading families, or bullies. Third, the Synod, a regional expression of the Church, will send a general profile to our seminaries, clearly stating the kind of pastors we will accept for placement in calls to our Synod's conferences, local area expressions of the Church, in light of the realities of the new normal. Fourth, Synods should operate on the what-gets-measured-gets-done principle and begin posting synod congregations' average weekly worship attendance, how much it has gone up or down, and the numbers of adult and of child and infant baptisms as four additional members measures of congregational vitality and growth. We already post similar numbers regarding congregational giving. I would propose that congregational growth measured as people in these areas is at least as important to the mission and future survival of the church in the LA area as financial giving and should be posted concurrently. Fifth, the synod and conferences will declare to their congregations a policy of assigning resources in such a way that the demographics of our synod as a whole will grow to resemble the demographics of the communities that we serve as a whole. Each congregation will be encouraged to do the same regarding the area in which they serve. Sixth, we will hire consultants trainers who have a proven track record of leading congregations like ours through transformation and growth. Seventh, the Synod and Conferences will conduct regular workshops and goal-setting exercises focused on congregational vitality and growth led by pastors and consultants with proven track records in doing these things. They will make attendance at and application of these workshops required for the reception of synodical and conference resources. Eighth, policies, programs, and funding, in most cases, will be established based on this premise. God provides everything needed to accomplish the work God has called us to do. That is, our congregation members have all they need to fund a vibrant congregational ministry. They just sometimes choose to spend it someplace else. Our congregations, as a whole, have all they need to fund a vibrant synodical ministry. They just sometimes choose to spend it someplace else. Ninth, as it has been pointed out by others, many if not most of our churches are built on valuable Southern California real estate. A growing number will knock down their buildings and build the tallest buildings local codes will permit building in church and school space, and hosting retail, office space, or whatever the local community needs and will support, and use the proceeds from them, not for operational expenses, but to supplement local giving for evangelism and church growth as good stewards of that real estate. Next time, for Part 3, I'm going to reflect on what I think are the implications of the needed changes for future church development. Today, let's remember to pray for those who provide essential services and for those who seek the common good. And let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer today, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at therevsdavidandsally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to the same addresses and we'll include them next time. Send your comments there as well. When you have a church, go to or tune in to the worship services they have currently available and support the church financially so that it will be there when we come back to fully physically present worship together. Support your pastor and church leaders. Pray for them and help them in any way that you can. If you or a loved one are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody. Google a local or national hotline. Reach out. You are not alone. Wear a mask when you're outside your home, practice social distancing, wash or sanitize your hands regularly. Stay home unless you are providing essential services or need them. Avoid crowds and be outside if you have to be in a crowd. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with, especially those who are sacrificing their security to provide for yours. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio.